Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport. The ultimate preview of the weekend action as we look at all 10 games in a faster time than it would take for Manchester United to break from defence into attack. With the help of Nemanja Matic, what a pass. This week, the race to earn a place in next year's Champions League is as busy, loud and congested as Cristiano Ronaldo's new clothes. Chelsea, Manchester United, Wolves and Leicester are all in action on game day this Saturday and TalkSport has commentary of them all. Also this week, we examine the relegation fight with West Ham, Watford, Villa and Norwich all featuring all on the podcast that is only marginally more indecisive than Keperari de Balaga. It's the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Preview Podcast from TalkSport. Darren Lewis from The Mirror is here. Hello. Hello. Lovely to see you again. (laughs) And Alex Crook is here as well. I must admit, it's not so lovely to see you. You seem to get very close to the camera when we're doing the Zoom call. Your your head is like, you know, right in there, isn't it? You know, like you want to be involved. I'm trying to read a script at the same time. Um, Darren, have you had a good week? I have had a very good week. Saw a couple of decent games, one of which was Arsenal's win over Norwich on Wednesday night. Very impressed by Aubameyang. Also sad that he won't be staying. I know the club reckon he will. But if they don't finish in the Champions League places, I'll be very surprised if he does. And the Norwich game the other day, um, I loved seeing six strikers struggling to break down uh, a Norwich side with 10 men. Harry Maguire, of course, scoring the winning goal in that match. Um, but yeah, two good games. My first two since the lockdown. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I went to uh, West Ham on Wednesday night. I went on Monday night to the League Two playoff final. Uh, at Wembley and I must admit it's the first night where I've sat in a stadium and thought don't quite like this Um, I think it was because it was at Wembley I think it was because it's a 90,000 seater stadium and there was nobody there the decoration of the stadium I thought was pretty poor I thought they could have done a lot more with it I know they haven't got that much money but they could have done a mosaic of all the EFL supporters and used it for the three playoff finals that they've got plus maybe in their leasing.com trophy but look that's by and by I think it's just a playoff final is for the fans it's for it's for the people of that community and I felt a little bit weird that there was nobody there it felt a bit hollow well I did the semi-final didn't I uh, Exeter's second leg and, and I can completely relate to that because this is a team going to Wembley and at the full time whistle it just felt very flat as the sets of players made their way single file back to the dressing room no fans to celebrate so Listen, we're going to have to accept it, but I think there are certain games and certain competitions that, that we're going to feel it more than most. And, and probably actually that West Ham win over Chelsea would fall into that category because 
West Ham fans are still trying to make new memories at the London Stadium. And that would have been an iconic night yeah. to be there. And unfortunately, such a fabulous victory happened behind closed doors. Well, West Ham fans don't like that place at all. And I think if we hadn't have had a pandemic, the, the, the protests against the ownership would have been a lot more vociferous. Anyway, we'll get on to uh, what's going to happen this weekend very shortly. Just on supporters going into grounds, Darren, the change this weekend from uh, two metre to one metre could make a big difference, couldn't it, about eventually wel- welcoming spectators back into the stadiums? It could, it could, but I have to be honest um, and be a little bit of a party pooper as well. Because on the one hand, I do agree with what you're saying about the atmosphere, which is why I always watch the games if I do on TV with the crowd noise, because I need to feel the atmosphere more than anything else. Um, and there is also the point for me when I go to games as a print writer and I know a lot of your print writers will be listening to this they'll understand this you you spend half the game typing away during certainly during night matches and when you have a crowd the crowd noise kind of alerts you to the fact that there is action in the final third when you don't have that crowd noise something could happen whether it's a goal whether it's a sending off and potentially you could miss it. I don't because I'm an amazing reporter. But <laughs> <laughs> even Lucy, your producer, is laughing at that one. Um, but but you know, on a serious note, public safety is paramount, and I'm not a particular fan of reducing two meters to one meter. My first thought is for public safety, so yeah. I'm, I'm not as excited as a lot of people are about the potential for that to happen. We still do have people losing their lives in this country and we still don't have anywhere near the record that other countries have in terms of dealing with the coronavirus. So I'm I'm not... A much worse record than... than Well, indeed, I was trying to be diplomatic. (laughs) But no, you're absolutely right. It's terrible. And, um, you know, I think... I'm still a little bit perplexed that there is a football match that is going on this weekend in a town that has been... or a city that has been locked down. Very, very odd. Anyway, talking of which, let's get to the big game previews. A thrilling game at the London Stadium has finished. West Ham United 3, Chelsea 2. Our frustrations tonight need to be used in a positive manner, which means that when Watford comes to the bridge on Saturday, we're ready to go. Oh, what a goal! What a goal by Christian Pulisic! The team's looking really strong. I, like, I just like the, the energy and the synergy about it. Watford 1, Southampton 3. That's how it's finished. And as you say, not a day that Watford will look particularly fondly on after this one. It's a frustrating time for us because we know we're capable of producing better performance. Star is racing past Van Dijk. He's faced up by the goalkeeper and he's shot at the on him and Watford have a 2-0 lead. They now fall into that category of where's their goals coming from because they, they just look like at the minute they haven't got a goal in them. Well, the top four race is firing up nicely and Chelsea against Watford is on 8 o'clock Saturday night, live on game day. It will be the last of our five commentaries on Saturday. Chelsea's performance unimpressive um, against West Ham in midweek. Frank Lampard, I think, was rightly furious after the match. I spoke to him straight afterwards and he, he was furious about the, the terrible set-piece defending. I mean, he basically said to me they were too small, Chelsea. He said, but there's nothing I can do about that. The squad is the squad. But even if you're too small, you've got to get close to people. Indecision from the goalkeeper doesn't help. Alonso, poor all night at left-back. Rudiger forgetting a basic dis- discipline of showing a group player who loves to come inside, inside right at the end. Chelsea may well have beaten Manchester City this season. Very well. I thought they were excellent during that game. Liverpool, they were brilliant in the FA Cup game against them. Tottenham, they were great in both matches against them. And Arsenal this season. 
but they have lost to Bournemouth, Southampton, Newcastle and been doubled by West Ham. Now, Frank's talked about the consistency of the group on a number of occasions, but if they aren't up for a fight against Watford, they will suffer another disappointing result. What does he have to change, Darren? I think he has to be more rigid. I think that the players have to be made more aware that other players could come in and take their places. I don't think there there is enough of a, an awareness as far as that's concerned. I don't think that win for West Ham was a fluke. West Ham have been putting in some decent performances without getting the luck that they deserve. Defensively, they are still uh, very uncertain. Oh, but yeah. I certainly think as far as uh, Chelsea are concerned, they... <laughs> The front players need to be playing better. William was the guy who basically bailed them out of a hole. What does work in Chelsea's favour is that the last time these two teams played was last November. It was the 11th game without a win for Watford after Chelsea managed to come out winners. And now Watford are back in that run. Because remember, Flores was replaced by Pearson soon after that win. And Pearson had pulled them out of trouble. But now, and they've been brilliant during the lockdown, as we all know, but off the pitch, they've had a few issues and suddenly they've been sucked in again. I still do think they'll be okay. The bottom three teams at the moment will go down. Well, look, Watford looked devoid of confidence last week when they were spanked by Southampton. They've had their issues off the field. I mean, how much do you think the Watford morale has been damaged by Andre Gray's little mixing? I think... There will be players in that Watford dressing room, and in particular Troy Deeney, who will be very frustrated and annoyed by what Andre Gray did. I don't think Watford particularly are going to miss Andre Gray or, or Chalabar. No. I don't think Watford well, they, particularly... They don't play, gonna... do they? Well, no, exactly. And, and when they do play, they, 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 they don't play very well. I mean, Andre, Andre Gray's record uh, in front of goal, considering how much he costs, is, is pretty lamentable, really. But I do think... Dini in particular, who obviously had his concerns, his, his son is asthmatic, about the whole idea of Project Restart. And, and I think he will realise that Andre Gray has, has been negligent. And I think that will be a problem um, in terms of morale of the players. I, I don't know. I know the job that is in hand. And I think they're big enough. They've got big enough character to crack on with that. But more important is, is the confidence. And you look at it, six points from the last 10 games. To put that into perspective, they took 13 points from Pearson's first six matches, so they've certainly levelled out. I always felt like that start of the season could come back to haunt them. I think Darren's right. There will be three worst teams, and I think Pearson will get Watford organised enough that they will pick up the odd point here and there, maybe even at Stamford Bridge to get them over the line. But, yeah, I I think there will be an annoyance in the dressing room without a shadow of a doubt. One win in 11, Darren. Have they got enough to uh, cause Chelsea a bit of an issue? Because Chelsea are a patchy team. You know, after mm. committing to Werner and Ziyech and bidding for, for Havertz, they can't afford to go through a bad patch at this stage of the season, can they? They need a Maguire or a Nicholas Schuler or someone who mm. just loves defending. Obviously, mm. they need a new goalie. I've said this so many times. He's just not good enough. But no. what, and, and whatever that costs, I mean, it's good. they're going to have to write off the £71.6 million that they paid for him. It was a mistake. It was the mm. biggest and most expensive mistake that's probably been made in recruitment for a long time. But... Just have to accept it, own it, move on. Yeah, I agree. I think he's never a £71.6 million goalkeeper. I think they've got to replace him. I I actually think that Chelsea need to be in the market for another centre-half in the summer, somebody who's commanding somebody. I think they should be in the market for a Koulibaly. I know it's a very expensive deal to do, but they need that kind of authority at the back because once you've brought in Virgil van Dijk at Liverpool, you finally had the platform for the offensive players to be able to express themselves. And that's what Chelsea... They've got wonderful offensive players, as we all know, 
but at the back they have a mistake in them. But they and have. the players have got alongside uh, Rudiger are not the answer. Well, they, they have got good offensive players, in a sense, but they still don't really score enough goals. I mean, against West Ham last uh, on uh, Wednesday night. They scored two goals. One of them was a penalty and the other one was a free kick from the edge of the penalty area. Most of their efforts were from the edge of the box. They weren't carving West Ham open. Pulisic has been great since he came back uh, from uh, from uh, the lockdown. But they, they haven't got that sort of penetrative goal scoring forward. I mean, I, I said in commentary, Tammy Abraham doesn't get enough credit for the fact that it's his first Premier League season. He scored... 15 goals for Chelsea in all competitions and one for England. That's 16 goals over the course of the season. Everyone's going crazy because Danny Ings has got 19 goals in all competitions and he's like the best thing since sliced bread. But Tammy Abraham is, is, is his first season. He's 20 years of age. He's come out and scored 15 goals in his first season in the Premier League. He's had a few bad misses. He's had a, f- a bit of a, a tough patch because he picked up an injury. I think we should also appreciate this his first season in the, in the top flight of English football. I don't think he should just be discarded as someone who misses a lot of chances. I think the problem is he scored a lot of those goals earlier in the season. He's been dry mm. since then. I, I, listen, I agree with you both. I, I think that Danny Ings has scored his goals in a poor side and in a better side, maybe he, he'd thrive. But then again, in a better side, maybe he wouldn't play. So I think as far as Abraham's concerned, you've got to give him credit. There are a lot of strikers. You look at Tamu Puki, for example. Great first half of the season. Goals have dried up. Yeah. I remember after the Lille Champions League tie, Frank Lampard said he wanted to bring in quality. And I was in that press conference because I remember saying to him, if you bring in the quality, what about these players that you've been championing for so long? And he said, this is Chelsea. The standards are high. And it's we, we can't have too many more matches where we create so many chances and we can't put them away. And that's why I still would be very, very interested to see whether or not Chelsea will slap down an amount of money for Arsenal, for Aubameyang, that would make them think we've got a decision to make here. Because Aubameyang is a killer in front of goal. Fastest player ever to reach 50 goals in the Premier League. And he, you know, forget about his age. When you've got that instinct to score goals and you look after yourself, you will score goals. And even if they get two, three seasons out of him, that will be money well spent. You think think Chelsea, after signing Werner and Ziyech, might go for Aubameyang? Well, Werner plays off to the left, doesn't he? Can do, and yeah. Abramier, sorry, and Abram's still learning the game. And even if you played uh, Werner up front, uh, he still needs time to adapt to English football, first of all. And also, you need depth as a top club competing for top honours. When you look at the sides that have plundered silverware, they great have idea. depth up front. Where do I, I sign? Do. Where do I sign? This is great. <laughs> I'm up for this. This is, this is a I, good I just, idea. I, I just think that, you know, Arsenal in recent seasons have seen top talent lose either for less than their market value or for free. They cannot afford to see that happen again with Aubameyang. Let's take for him all the there. talk about, you know, he might stay and the noises that Ateta's putting out the, the, the other night. He hasn't signed a new deal and we are into a period now where Arsenal have a decision to make. If I'm Chelsea, I put the money down and let's see what they're made of. Chelsea's position in the top four is under threat because of the league form, in particular of Manchester United, who was sumptuous against Brighton in midweek and will be like a bunch of kids at Christmas waiting to tear a Bournemouth team to shreds. They look flawed in midweek. Uh, we'll come to Bournemouth in uh, a second, but let's talk about uh, Manchester United. 15 unbeaten, four goals conceding during that period. Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer getting enough credit 
Crook, you laughed me off earlier in the season on this podcast when I said changing the manager is unwise. You've got to be patient, believe in the system, wait for the recruitment to take hold. Is it different now? Yeah, you can't argue with a record. 14 games unbeaten. Is it 15 now, actually? 15. Um, they're scoring goals for fun. They're not conceding goals. That Their record defensively since the turn of the year has been very good. In Fernandez, they have a player who's genuinely making them purr. Mason Greenwood, I think, coming into the team has, has been a great introduction. Again, you have to uh, give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer praise there because there are a lot of United fans crying out for Greenwood to play regularly much earlier in the season, but you held him back until he was ready to come in and his opinion helped his development. So there's not much wrong with United at the moment and maybe rather boldly on the sports bar the other night, I said, I can't see where their next drop point is coming from, but I maintain that. I think they will get until the Leicester game on the final day of the season. Definitely unbeaten and probably winning every game between now and then. So many players are doing very well. Bruno Fernandes, his leadership, the way he speaks, his interview after the game where he turned around and basically said, I don't want to talk about me and Paul. There's so many good midfielders at this club. You know, we work so hard together. We're a team, blah, blah. I thought that was good. I thought that just shows that he's part of the unit already and he's a bit of a leader behind the scenes. I'm particularly impressed with Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka has developed into an even better player in the second half of the season than he was before. His tackling has always been superb. His recovery is excellent. But he's starting now to get higher up the pitch and contribute to his team's attacking play as well as its defensive play. His timing is runs better. He's being more intelligent with his creation. And he's learning and developing into an exemplary fullback. And if Trent Alexander-Arnold ends up moving into midfield, as many people predict that he will later down the line, that could be his best position. And, and if he does that for England, England are going to be in a particularly good position, aren't they, Darren? Absolutely. Uh, They've got so much strength and depth and both of those players offensively impressive, defensively aware. And I I think Wan-Bissaka has improved because the confidence in the United side has gone through the roof. You talk about that defensive record, only 10 goals conceded since Boxing Day. So for all the offensive talent and creativity, they have a platform to express themselves. I think Pogba's come back hungry and at it because he's seen how well Fernandes is doing and it's no coincidence to see that when you surround a good player with quality you get the best out of that player yeah and basically you have to just also play him in his right position as well you know give him give him the support that he requires and then he's obviously going to flourish and also make him feel comfortable it's like everybody you know if you're doing a job and you don't feel particularly comfortable in your surroundings then you're not going to flourish. And uh, well, if you think about you, right, Sam, and you know you're doing the game day podcast. They've said, look, give him Alex, give him Darren, yeah. give him Lucy, yeah. and you'll get the best out of him. Yeah. And that's what's happening that's what's now. Happened. That's exactly what's and he's happened. St- he, he's Basically. still working on that, isn't so what, he? But so what you're saying is, is, is I'm Pogba. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So that, that's absolutely fine. Um, uh, right, Crook. You just be- just one more point on this. Sorry, before we move on, um, you mentioned Wan Bissaka there, and I think he's a case in point. But you look at the improvement of the United players. I think actually you, get, you have to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his coaching staff credit for the work they've done the training ground as well, because Matic is much improved. No, Matic um, is because Anthony- he had a pre-season for the first time in ages. I mean, he's always Anthony- been a great player. Anthony Martial has improved his fitness. Finishing yeah. under the guidance of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I think yeah, sometimes no we're guilty in this country. We, we look at the recruitment, yes, but we I don't agree. actually look at the coaching. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brandon Williams, Greenwood, Martial. Sure. And, and, fan, sure. and sometimes Ooh. fans get really excited very, really quickly, don't they? They're, they're desperate to call for the manager's head. I mean, sometimes one minute they're like, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's great. The next minute they're like, get me Maurizio Pochettino. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just unnecessary, isn't it, Crook? Don't you think? <laughs> Possibly? Should we... 
Should we move on to Bournemouth? Uh, <laughs> uh, right, okay. Uh, now, I, I, I do hope that we can do this. A, a little quick clip of a Crook's rant on Bournemouth at half-time in the game on Wednesday. Here it is. I don't think I've ever seen a team batting relegation show such little fight. There are Bournemouth players out there sauntering around, watching their Newcastle counterparts just breeze past like they haven't got a care in the world. There's no hunger, there's no desire, they've got no idea. It has been utterly spineless. And at the moment, they are going one way, and that's into the championship. It has been appalling. Wow. Uh, there was no holding back there. So we've heard your rant about how bad and pathetic you thought they were during that first 45 minutes. Obviously, it didn't improve much in the second half. I mean, who loses four goals to Ball, uh, to Newcastle? Um, so what do they do about it in order to put it right? Because well, they're going down otherwise, aren't they? Nothing. It's too late to put it right. Um, but it isn't, is they- it? Because there's still four or five games to go. Five games to go. Yeah. Six, Manchester six United away. Manchester City away, Tottenham at home, Leicester at home, Everton and Southampton at home, who've got one of the best away records in the Premier League. Hello, is that it Big was... Sam? <laughs> Listen, they're not going to sack Eddie Howe. It, it wouldn't surprise me when they go down, because I think it's when now and not if, that Eddie maybe would think he's gone as far as he can with that club and possibly would walk away. If that's the case, though, he's got to do it now, isn't it? Well, it's too late. Nobody's going to come in and save that team. The confidence is through the floor. And the reason I was so animated the other night was not so much because of the lack of ability that they showed, because I think supporters can tolerate bad performances. Supporters can tolerate their team being rubbish. What they can't tolerate is their team not trying and downing tools. And there were players on that pitch who were guilty of that. There were Newcastle players just waltzing past them. They need to show some character. They need to show some fight. Steve Cook came out afterwards and, and said we had an inquest in the dressing room for half an hour. Well, that's not the first time they've done that, but nothing changes. And if you keep making the same mistakes and keep trotting out the same garbage performances week after week, and you've done it for 32 matches of the season, how can you possibly change it around with six matches to play, especially with that run of fixtures I've just given you? They've got no chance. They are down and out. They are dead and buried. And it's all now whether Eddie Howe wants to stay and lead them back to promotion next season. Come out as far as Cedric who strikes it left-footed and scores on his debut. Cedric Suarez makes it four for Arsenal. It's been a really good week to be fair after a difficult two games away from home when we lost. Ceballos takes over, goalkeepers come out and Ceballos has won it. But I just think there's a Brighton performance at, at, in Arsenal where they let themselves down a little bit. And it's an excellent finish from Leander Dendonka and Wolves take the lead. We have the same confidence uh, every game. We know, uh, we know that we have to work uh, together to win the, the games. Jimenez with the header, brilliant from Traore. They're in a good position, so we just need to, to keep on going with that. Just thinking game by game to go as far as we can. Wolves can set the best record of any of the teams post-lockdown when they play Arsenal live on game day. This is a 5.30 kickoff. I'll be there with Stuart Pearce. Uh, it's live on Talk Sport. Um, Arsenal had a walk in the park at home to Norwich thanks to a couple of helping hands from Tim Krull. But they will have a much tougher task against Wolverhampton Wanderers, won't they? Alex Crook. Yeah, they will. I mean, that, as you say, it was a strolling apart. That was a game that Arsenal were never going to lose. They were always going to win handsomely. Obama Yang was back at the races, whereas he wasn't in the first few games after the restart. But I do wonder if this Arsenal team can match the intensity that we've seen from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, 45 goals they have scored this season, 33 of them in the second half. That just shows their superior fitness levels. And, and I'm not convinced that Arsenal have the players 
to cope with that. Uh, four clean sheets in a row as well. Can Arsenal break down that defence? Uh, Wolves have been excellent in, in terms of stifling the opposition. They've not had five clean sheets in a row since 1981. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they equaled that record. Um, Arsenal do have, and we mentioned uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and the contract issues that they face with him, but they have tied down Bukayo Saka to a new contract in the last 24 hours. And that is a very sensible piece of business. I mean, this is a kid who's got every chance of being a superstar. I mean, he's got so much skill, talent, ability. He's versatile as well. I watched him when he was 15 years of age playing for the under-17, England under-17 team at a European tournament. And Steve Cooper, who was the manager at the time, I, I rang him up and said to him, look, we're covering the tournament. Can we have a chat? We talked about him and he's gushing about Saka. From what I understand, not only is he a talented footballer, but he's a brilliant kid. He's willing to work. He does a lot of study. He, he spent a lot of time actually whilst he was at that England under-17 tournament I think studying for his GCSEs during that period he's just a he he is an exemplary kid and I hope that he fulfills the potential that he that he has shown and I hope that Arsenal keep the faith well they're going to keep the faith with him because he's he's terrific and they want to keep hold of him but I hope they can bring the best out of him I think they can I think he's a player who enjoys uh, his football at Arsenal Uh, in the press conference after the match on Wednesday night he was asked the very first question actually despite the fact that Aubameyang had scored twice and Arsenal were easy winners the very first question in the press conference was about Saka and Arteta said that he embodies the values and the ethos of the club and that he was excited about working with him because he feels that he is a player that receives information particularly well, talked about his versatility as well, and talked about the fact that he is a player that Arsenal fans warm to. And I think that's very much the case. He can mould him into the kind of player that he wants in the new Arsenal, which I think will take shape over the next season or so. Let's have a, a quick word about uh, this game. Then Arsenal obviously uh, taking on Wolves away from home. Do you think there's any chance, Crook, that uh, Arsenal could stop Wolves in their tracks here and do Manchester United and Chelsea a favour in the process I don't know if Arsenal have it in their locker to go there and and sit deep and try and make themselves difficult to break down I think if they get involved in a a football match with Wolves then there's only one team that will come out on top so in answer to your question no I I think Wolves will win the game and um, it's not beyond the realms by the way and and I was talking about this to some friends on, on WhatsApp last night Everyone's been talking about Leicester and, and Chelsea and whether Manchester United can catch them. It's not beyond the realms that United finished third and, and Wolves finished fourth. He's getting excited again. He's getting really excited again. Chelsea lost Aaron one agrees. game, one game, and all of a sudden he's thinking, that's it, we're going to win the league. Um, <laughs> let's move on to Leicester versus Crystal Palace. It's on Talk Sport 2 at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Leicester need to start picking up points, don't they? Absolutely. And I, I think they're going to struggle against the well-organised Crystal Palace side. I think their place in the top four, as things stand, is in serious jeopardy because they haven't returned from the break with any kind of focus, any kind of cutting edge. Defensively, uh, they've not switched back on again. And I think that one of the two teams' momentum directly behind them will overtake them. I'm less worried about Chelsea than I am about Leicester. Oh, Darren, give it in. I'm sorry. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to they're say... They're a patchy but... team. They're going to go on a bad run now. And then I'm going to play <laughs> uh, Leicester have been only uh, out of the top four once since August the 24th. That can't change this weekend because the goal difference, Manchester United's goal difference isn't as good as Leicester. So it won't change this weekend. But it, it might change over the next couple of match days, Crook. Are you sure it won't change? Manchester United might get 12 against Bournemouth. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> 
um, I, I do wonder how demoralising that FA Cup defeat would have been last weekend because Brendan Rodgers sent a full strength team out. He went all guns blazing. They started the game really well. Well, they didn't have Madison in that team. Apart from him, but they've ended up losing the game <laughs> again. So full, full strength um, apart from the best player. He was their best player. I'm not convinced he is anymore. And on that subject, is it time to consider dropping Jamie Vardy and taking him out the firing line? Here's, a question. Here's another question for you, okay. just on the back Answer of that. a question with a question, Darren. Don't give an opinion, whatever you do. Jamie Vardy, yeah. uh, bring in Danny Ings, if you're Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to move on from Southampton. He's not going to win anything with Southampton, is he? I think Callum Wilson might be more likely. Brendan Rodgers is a big fan. I know he's not had a great season, but, I mean, we're, we're chucking transfer rumours out there, Aubameyang to Chelsea. Watch that space chucking. with Callum we're, Wilson We're well-researched journalists. <laughs> We're not, we're not all like you. Um, <laughs> Leicester versus Palace is live on game day. Uh, Talk Sport 2, 3 o'clock on Saturday after. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. OK, let's whip round three of the Premier League games while showing our expertise as we jump on a bit of Roulette rivalry. Producer Lucy will give us each one of the games of the weekend to preview against the clock. Lucy, have you got a velvet bag? No, I haven't yet got a velvet bag, but I am. I've actually been trying to shop for one. But the issue is, they only do them in quite small sizes. Right. Well, you don't really need that many balls, so small is fine, right? No, but if we're going to do proper FA Cup style, I think we do need quite a big sack. Okay, so if you've got any suggestions to help uh, Lucy find a velvet sack, um, we'll just just tweet us at Sam Matterface, at uh, Alex underscore Crook or at Mirror Darren, and we will pass on anything that uh, you suggest for Lucy to use. Are you ready to uh, dish out Burnley, Sheffield United, Southampton, Manchester City or Tottenham versus Everton? Yeah, I am. Go for it. Crook, you're up first. Oh, I'm never first. Spurs v Everton. Oh, go. Well, this for me is one of the more iconic games in English football. Two clubs steeped in tradition, but two teams coming into the match in contrasting mood, no doubt. Tottenham were dreadful, weren't they, against Sheffield United on Thursday. Just as we thought Jose Mourinho had solved their defensive problems, my word, did they come back with a vengeance. 
Yes, they had a goal harshly ruled out by VAR, but that doesn't change the fact they gave away some really bad goals. And Jose is going to want to see a reaction from his players. Everton, in contrast, fantastic at home to Leicester. Hit the ground running, got the two early goals. And I think they'll go for the jugular right from the off here. Carlo Ancelotti will see this as a free hit, a chance to climb the table. It's going to be a good battle between Harry Kane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I'm really looking forward to this one. Well, there you go. Just saying, that was tricky. Yeah, well, whatever. Get on with it. Stop moaning. Lucy, who's next? Well, speaking of moaners, you're up next, Sam. (laughs) Burnley v Sheffield United. It's not fair. Sheffield United haven't played yet. Yeah, but we know they're crap. (laughs) (laughs) This is the content I want on the red button. (laughs) Go. Burnley, I think, are above Sheffield United now, aren't they? I mean, because of the result on Monday night against uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, but that's before they play on Thursday evening. But Burnley score more goals than, than Sheffield United. That's been the key to their success. And when the games have been quite tight over the course of the season, uh, Burnley have managed to come up with that little bit of ingenuity that has won them games, that are like, like away at Manchester United, where it wasn't a particularly good game, but they found the ability to break uh, the deadlock and they got two goals in that match a particularly good performance by Sean Dyche's team I think obviously they came out of the lockdown rather flustered because of the contract situations that were going on but they seem to have got themselves back together again and they looked much better on Monday evening against Crystal Palace Sheffield United I went to the game on Sunday well, I didn't even get to talk about Sheffield United but they're getting better I reckon there you go that's my view no they're not I think they've lost their way like Leicester okay but anyway so you're going to do... What, what's, what's Darren going to do? I can't think. Southampton v Man City. Cool. And time starts now. Now, this really does depend on which Southampton side turns up. Will it be the Southampton side for whom Alex McCarthy threw in two goals against Arsenal, a very poor Arsenal side that were there to be put to the sword? Or will it be the Southampton side that went to Watford and took advantage of the disarray that the club in are in at the moment. I think as far as the forward line is concerned, we know that they can score goals, but at the back is where they are vulnerable and they're to be taken advantage of. And a Manchester City side who are desperate to end the season in style and cement their place in the top four, how could you consider a top four without Manchester City, will be ready to go there and take advantage of the fragile confidence at St. Mary's. I would say that Manchester City should win this. Oh, well done, Darren. That was good. You just sort of, you know, you negotiated your way through that rather easily. City, three wins now and a draw away from guaranteeing second place in the league. Let's have a look at the relegation picture. Newcastle versus West Ham is Sunday at 2.15. Norwich Brighton is live on game day at 12.30. It starts us off on TalkSport. And on Sunday at 4.30, a big fixture for Aston Villa. Is there any way, Darren Lewis, that Aston Villa can get something from Liverpool who have won more games at home than anyone has ever won at home in a league season? The only way that could happen, Sam, is if Liverpool send out the kids and even the kids beat Everton in the FA Cup earlier this year. So I can't really see that being the case. I think Liverpool will want to aim for Manchester City's point 
points record and they'll want to go out on a high as well remember this is the first time since they've won the league that they'll be back at Anfield so they will want to put on a show for their supporters and Aston Villa well they are the perfect candidates for them to be able to score goals express themselves and have a bit of a party Aston Villa's morale is shot to pieces at the moment everyone keeps beating them and now they're up against the most potent front line in the Premier League I can't see anything but a toasting in front of the fans at Anfield. I love that. Toasting. You're going to get a toasting. Mm. Um, Norwich against Brighton starts us off on uh, game day, as I mentioned, 12.30. Since the start of the Premier League in 1992, not one team have gone through a whole season and not fought back uh, once from being behind in a game to win. And Norwich are uh, five games away from setting that unwanted record. And I'm I'm not talking about uh, Joseph Dermott's latest music release. I'm talking about the fact that they just never, ever, ever seem to, 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 to have the character to come back from a difficult situation. What does that tell us about Norwich City? It tells me they're a bit of an enigma because I keep hearing ex-players tell us just how good Norwich City are and all the players they've got that will continue to be Premier League stars even when they go down. They've lost 21 of their 32 matches this season. They've conceded 60 goals. Yeah. If these players were that good, surely they would give themselves more of a chance of staying up. What, what, I just wonder, as, as Daniel Farker escaped criticism here this season, he's almost been given a free hit. No one's questioned any of his tactics, any of his decision-making, but I'll repeat, 21 defeats in 32 games. I think you're right. I think you're right to ask the question about Daniel Farker. I think you're right to talk about the fact that the team are unpredictable. Um, Two things. They've scored six goals away from home all season. Six goals. I mean, that is... (laughs) It's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, someone like um, Aston Villa has scored 17 goals away from home this season. That is... It's it's an unbelievable tally. It's a paltry tally. Um, I sat with a scout, actually, uh, uh, West Ham on... uh, Wednesday night, and we were talking about the interest that everybody's talking with um, uh, the, Nor- the young Norwich players. And Stuart Pearce had said on Saturday, I, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand why people were talking about Ben Godfrey, Max Ahrens, uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, Todd Cantwell, um, about you know this idea that when Norwich get relegated, some of the big boys are going to come and pluck them uh, and take them into uh, under their wing. He said, they're bottom of the table for a reason, and however talented some of these players must be, ultimately you're talking about the backbone of that that Norwich City team. So why would you, as much as they might be easy on the eye and maybe in a different team they might be better, they can't be significantly better than the sum of the parts that they've already produced. So it, it would be a, a surprise in his view if they did get on mass plucked and taken into top half Premier League teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a big game for Brighton, by the way. I was at the Amex in midweek. I mean, they, they never stood a chance against Manchester United in, in that kind of form. But he did leave out a couple of key players, uh, Mope on the bench until half-time, uh, Trossard likewise. Hopefully they'll have Adam Webster back from injury. But really, that was Graham Potter targeting this Norwich match because they've got Liverpool and Manchester City back-to-back in their next two games. I think there's a feeling at the Amex Stadium that they need to win this game to all but secure their Premier League status. And if they do go on and win the game, then 
the decisions to rest those players in midweek will be vindicated. If they don't, then maybe questions might be asked. Newcastle against West Ham is 2.15 Sunday. There have been 48 points played for against the amongst the bottom five since Project Restart began. And West Ham have won as many as their rivals put together in one evening at the London Stadium. That tells you a lot about the teams at the bottom of the table, doesn't it? But as David Moyes pointed out to me uh, on Wednesday night, you need to back that up against Newcastle because, as you saw on Wednesday night, the Hammers might have a job on their hands because this is a team that Steve Bruce has put together that are playing with a little bit of confidence that they know they're safe now, so there's a freedom about them, and they're starting to to to, to look like a proper team. They are, and I think it's about time Steve Bruce got the credit and the respect that he deserves, not just from Newcastle fans, but from the wider footballing public, because I think there's a a view on Steve Bruce that he's a bang average manager. Well, actually, if you look at his list of honours, he took Hull City into the Premier League as championship runners-up. He took Hull City the next season to an FA Cup final that they were unlucky not to win against Arsenal. He took Birmingham City into the Premier League. He's kept Newcastle in the Premier League with matches to spare, but on the North East, Rafa Benitez, Bruce's predecessor, has this godlike status. What did he actually do that Steve Bruce hasn't? Yes, he took Newcastle to promotion from the championship, one of the most expensively assembled championship squads in terms of transfer fees and wage bills that we've ever seen. But was the was this Newcastle team that he sent out last season much better than what we're seeing from Steve Bruce this season? Yet still they won't sing his name. Well, he's getting the tune out of uh, Miguel Almiron. Obviously, he's got the best out of Alan San Maximan. And he's also managed to uh, uh, give a sort of steely defence uh, a bit of protection. So they're not conceding that many goals and they're scoring more now, which is which is great for them. Even Dwight Gale, who was pretty much written off as a Newcastle asset last year, is now back and scoring goals for them. Look, I, don't, I don't know what the future holds for them because everything is still so much up in the air about the ownership situation. But on Steve Bruce personally, have a look at the guy's scouting you know, think of some of the players that he has unearthed over the course of his his tenure as a Premier League manager, which is probably into its third decade now. I think probably at least its second decade. He's passed the test of time. He's he is a reliable coach. I think he's done a much better job at Hull than Marco Silva did. He's done a much better job at Newcastle than many other managers have managed in the last ten years since Mike Ashley has been in charge and you know I hope he gets recognised for that I hope he keeps his job I think it will be a travesty if as looks likely the new owners come in and bring in a sexier manager because of course the one thing that Steve Bruce has never been accused of is being sexy (laughs) apart from Mrs Bruce Game day wouldn't be game day without a bit of fantasy football interest. Here's Dream Team's Andrew Butler to provide us with some gems. Hello, how are you? Yes, very well, Sam. How are you? Spectacular. Um, Okay, so let's start off by going through some of the tips you've got for this weekend. Butler's banker, someone who's going to definitely yield us loads of points. Yeah, now look, I know that this guy gets a fair bit of airtime, and especially so in the last couple of weeks, but Bruno Fernandes, I haven't spoken about him yet. Um, he's that looking sound very... effect again. 
He's looking very, very tidy, and I think it's probably about the right time for me to say that he's worth a looking dream team. He's only in the game at 3.5 million. He's got 86 points since um, since joining United. He averages 6.6 points per game week. That's a bit of a mouthful, um, which is actually the highest in dream team this season. Wow. So if any player... Um, he's averaging 6.6 points. Andrew, uh, I do feel like you're, you're a little bit late to the party, bearing in mind this is a guy who scored more goals and been involved in the making of more goals than anybody else since he signed on the dotted line back <laughs> in January. Uh, and it's now July. Um, so, Crook, Crook I, I mean, you've got about 10 seconds to tell us what you think about Bruno Fernandes. I know you wanted to come back on him. I think Bruno Fernandes is Manchester United's best signing since Eric Cantona joined from Leeds way back in 1992 because he said that he, said he that. has galvanised the club in the same way that Cantona did like no other player. If you compare it, I was at Brighton the other night. That was basically <laughs> the same squad that started the season and were horrendous for the first half of the campaign. Look at Darren's face. Plus Bruno Fernandes. And Honestly, you can't possibly come on, Crook. You know I love you to pieces. Better than Ronaldo. Better than Tevez. Come on, better than Dwight York and Andy Cole. Yeah, I, that, the problem is, is he's in this all... scenario, isn't he? He's been on Tinder. He's got a match. He's taken her out for a first. Date, <laughs> he hasn't had a bike for a long time, and all of a sudden, he wants to get married. He wants to get married. <laughs> No, but all those players that Darren's just listed joined Manchester United at the peak of their powers. This is Bruno Fernandes, who joined an ailing Manchester United, and he has the ability to turn them into title contenders next season. Yeah, but uh, Alex, he's got the ability, but at the moment, all he's done is given them a good run of what? 10, 12, 14 I, I, Yeah, and he, he made a massive impact down at Norwich, didn't he, in the FA Cup quarter-final? <laughs> <laughs> For Cantona, I never had a bad game. Dwight York never had a bad game. <laughs> We're winding you up. We're winding you up. We just think you may have yeah. gone over the top. We, we think, I mean, not that you ever do this, but you might have gone in two-footed here. Uh, uh, let's Sam, go Sam, will you marry me? <laughs> Always. <laughs> twice. At least twice between now and the end of the season. Uh, Butler's beauty. Who, who are we picking? Apart, apart from, obviously, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> um, well, going back to being late to the party, I'm just delighted to be invited to a party for once. Um, anyway, Butler's beauty. a wedding beauty. reception. <laughs> Crook and Bruno, <laughs> Alex, Alex Crook Fernandez. That's you know you could take. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, my Butler's beauty for for this weekend is um, Ben Mee in the game at two point three million. He's got eighty five points. Got eighteen points this game week alone. Um, but I think he's actually been a real credit to Burnley in the last couple of weeks um, on and off the pitch. Um, Obviously, his statements and his interviews after um, the game against Man City was fantastic, uh, and an amazing this amazing story about his um, his um, child being born premature um, during the period of lockdown, and his wife is still in hospital with that. And to to go and get on the score sheet and, and celebrate in the manner that he did was um, was I found incredibly touching. Um, Burnley at home to Sheffield United, which could be a nil nil, but it's probably a decent chance for another clean sheet uh, for the Clarets. Okay, a Butler's big bet. Yeah, now look, the big bet is always coming up for for some discussion. Um, so I'm going for Neil Mope uh, this weekend. Well, at least that's a proper bet. <laughs> um, he's, he's in 2.5 million, 77 points so far in Dream Team, which isn't the highest, but Brighton are away at Norwich this weekend and it's an absolutely huge game. Um, so they'll probably be looking to, to Mope for, for their goals. 
given that they've got Liverpool and Man City in the following uh, two games, it really does feel like a, a kind of a must-win game, despite the fact that Brighton are just outside the, the relegation places at the moment. Okay, what about Butler's bargain? Where are we searching to uh, find a little hidden gem? Yeah, now look, Alan St. Maximan is still only oh, three million in the game. I can't believe I. Uh, this he's, guy is amazing. He's phenomenal. Still only three million in the game. He's got ninety-one points. He averages seven point six points in the last five game weeks, and he was just amazing. Why the Bournemouth. hell is he at Newcastle? I mean, how about how the hell have Newcastle scouted this guy? This is like, I mean, he is he is excellent, isn't he? And he's he's got so much charisma. He's funny he's inventive he creates goals he scores goals i mean can you imagine if he was in a good team i do wonder what it would be like in a, in in a in a better team let's say because you know what he could add to to a team um, higher up the table would be so interesting to see and i just wonder if if he'll get given that opportunity or if indeed someone's um, going to buy yeah what definitely if, if, if newcastle's takeover goes through and if he gets in the, in a in 11 of that and well, that's different. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I just have to say we are getting very starry-eyed here. I mean, I think I might. We have are. To... Do you know what? We've been in lockdown for a hundred days. For God's sake, I, of course we are. I, I feel like I'm a priest at Las Vegas in a chapel somewhere, and everybody wants to get married. <laughs> St. Maximin's had a few decent games, and everyone's going as if he's Fred Astaire. I mean, yes, he was very, very good uh, against Bournemouth. But they're a poor side that can't defend. We all, we've all seen, I think they've lost 18 of their 20 games. And I just think we shouldn't get carried away by him. He's a good player. and It was good before course, that, though. Well, that's not his only good performance. But in France, they're saying that Steve Bruce is the first manager to really realise the potential of the player. And I, I'd like to see him over a longer period of time before I start getting excited about it. Well, actually, I think we should probably trust Steve Bruce a little bit more because if you go through some of the big players, not big players in the Premier League, but some of the players that have made great careers in the Premier League, he's scouted quite a few of them, hasn't he? And he's brought in players from far and wide over the course of his career and he probably needs to be a bit more appreciated. One of those is Jared Bowen, who I thought was excellent for West Ham in midweek. Um, what about the block tackle? Now, this is interesting because um, Tim Closer and Lloyd Kelly are now basically having a race to the bottom of the, the Dream Team um, all-time all points table for the season. Um, Closer's on minus six, having scored minus uh, four this week, okay. um, and Kelly's on minus five. And so it's an interesting point of the season to, to see who will actually kind of get the wooden spoon in Dream Team for, for the lowest point scorer uh, this season. There's 22 players with minus points uh, for the season on Dream Team. And I just wonder if it will be closer or Kelly, because it will probably be a Norwich or Bournemouth player, the way that they're going about things at the moment. OK, uh, thank you very much for uh, your contribution to the programme. As always, Andrew Butler. And thank you very much for uh, bringing up the, the, the wonder that is Bruno Fernandes. Thank you very much. What a show. The Ultimate Preview back on Monday when Crook and I will be joined by Matt Holland. Uh, please rate and review and tell all your friends to download this podcast as well. We'll see you on Tuesday as the Football Feast rolls on. And don't forget, Saturday is game day. Five Premier League commentaries on the most special day of the week. And it's only on TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. 
be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.